Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. As we study the book of Daniel tonight, we're going to finish chapter 1. Now, as I was looking at chapter 1, I wanted to remind you of what we've talked about so far. You go, well, what do you mean? Well, do you remember in our introduction, we discovered something quite shocking? You go, what was that? Well, remember that there were a lot of people that were, were targeting the book of Daniel, and they sought to disprove that Daniel was actually, in fact, the author, the writer of this book. You go, well, Ben, what was the main reason? Well, the main reason, one of the basic premises they come with and go, Daniel can't be the writer, he just can't. You go, why? Why would you say that? Well, their premise for the proof is that it would be impossible to describe with such accuracy the events that hadn't taken place. That's true, unless God's involved. There are times when you and I, we might be watching a sports, you know, a football game, and we're just hoping that it's going to go our way, but we can't predict that. Daniel was such a... And so they're going, no, 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 well, let me, let me tell you what happened with Daniel. Let me tell you a story, they say. They conclude that it was written by some man a couple of centuries later, after the fact, and then he goes, well, I'm just going to put the name Daniel to it. And that's where they come from. Now you go, well, Ben, why do you bring that up? Why do you bring up men who have tried and tried and tried to disprove that Daniel wrote the Bible? Here's why. Listen, number one, and I want you to jot this down, and it's so important for us. Why? The enemy will go to great lengths to bring doubt upon the word of God. Do you understand that? The enemy of your soul will go to great lengths to bring doubt upon the word of God. If you and I, in this late season, start to walk by sight, we will doubt the word of God. Many years ago, there was a fellow by the name, and you can jot this down by reference, his name was Charles Templeton. Charles Templeton was born October 7, 1915, He died June 7, 2001. In 1936, Templeton converted to Christianity. Well, Ben, why didn't you say he got saved? Okay, well, let's say he got saved in 1936. He's about 20 years old, and he said yes to Jesus. And everybody goes, amen. Charles Templeton, at that point, was a very gifted speaker and a very gifted evangelist. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you know this, but old Charles Templeton, most people said that he was better, he was a better orator, he was a better speaker, he was a better evangelist than the Billy Graham. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Billy Graham was holding crusades, Charles Templeton was holding crusades, but something happened. You see, he got saved around the age of 20, but around the age of 40, something happened. In 1957, after a long struggle with doubt, Templeton declared himself an agnostic. I don't believe he stood in front of his congregation. He stood behind the pulpit. He said, I cannot 
preach the word of God anymore. I don't know if I believe there is a God. And you could have heard a pin drop in that church. You see, his public pronouncement of his loss of faith caused a backlash, of course, you realize, in the evangelical community. Well, he died June 7, 2001. Hopefully, before he died, I pray he recanted his agnostic statement and he put his faith in Jesus Christ once again. But Charles Templeton, a man that God was going to use mightily, began to walk by sight, and therefore he doubted. And it made me realize that I know a lot of us in this day and age, we turn on the news or we'll watch something on the internet or Facebook or whatever you might want to call it, whatever outlet, whatever news medium you get, and it can cause doubt. We go, well, Lord, where are you? You go, maybe it's not even what's going on in the world. Maybe it's happening in your own personal life. And you're asking God, where are you? I don't understand, and it's creating doubt in the Word of God. God, you told me to trust you, but I'm struggling, and I'm scared, and I don't know what to do. Now, Ben, how can you say that? Because that's the same thing that happened to us. You see, we have been here in January. We would have finished 18 years as a church, 18 years as a church. Now you go, wow, that's cool. But it wasn't always like this. You see, there were a lot of times in my life that I, I doubted who God was, specifically in planting the church. God, we're preaching your word. God, I don't understand. God, I can't find a job. Lord, I'm, I'm dying here. Lord, I thought you called me to love it. Lord, I love the people. I don't understand. And, and it did create doubt. See, and I believe that many people might even feel this way. Doubts in our walks. Doubts in the Word of God. And it reminded me of a poem. And the poem is called, Come, Let Me Meet You on the Mountain. Now, I want you to listen to it because I've changed the words a little bit so that it can be more for us. You go, how so? Well, listen to this. It says, let me meet you on the mountain, Lord, just once. You wouldn't have to burn a whole bush, just a few smoking branches. And I would surely be your Moses. Lord, meet me, Lord, meet me on the water, Lord, just once. It wouldn't have to be Buffalo Springs Lake, just a puddle after the spring rain. And I would surely be your Peter. Lord, Let me meet you on the road, Lord, just once. You wouldn't have to blind me on Luke 289, just a few bright lights on the way to church, and I would surely be your Paul. Let me meet you, Lord, just once, anywhere, anytime. Just meeting you in the Word is so hard sometimes. Must I always be your Thomas? Be careful with doubt, church. Remember that there's a God who loves you and a God who has you in the palm of his hand. You go, well, Ben, what happened to you when you doubted? Listen, we went as a family through a lot of trials and a lot of tribulations. 
but God saw us through. There were times, but see, never once did I say, I want to run. I'm done. I'm out. I may have thought it. But God is faithful. And he will, he will meet you where you're at. When it comes to the book of Daniel, we don't spend our time trying to determine, was this really Daniel or was it not? But more importantly, let's spend our time seeking to determine, well, what does God really want to say to me? Because that's really what's important. So every Wednesday when we meet and we open our Bibles, our prayer, our silent prayer should be something like this. Lord, we're about to read your word. Lord, we're about to study your word. But here's what I would pray. Lord, I would pray your word would read me. And help me to grow where I need to grow. This is so important. What does God want to say to me? What does God want to say to me? You and I know that Daniel wrote the book of Daniel. Because a beautiful reminder is Ezekiel, because Ezekiel confirms the truth of Daniel. Jesus confirms the truth and calls Daniel a prophet. And Paul and Hebrews also confirm Daniel's truth. Now, as we make our way through this chapter, remember what we've learned about Daniel. If you're taking note, jot this down. Daniel was a man of purpose, was a man of purpose. Daniel. In Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, it says this, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Your attention, please. I think that's so important. Why? Because we need to be a people of purpose. That has to be key. You see, we can't be a Christian with one foot in the world and one foot in the church. We can't be walking like, we would walk funny anyway. Okay? We'd be walking like this. He says we need to be people. We need to be believers with with purpose. You see, Daniel had already purpose. Well, you go, purpose what? Well, Matthew tells us in chapter 6, verse 33, it says this. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What are we seeking? What do we need to be purpose about? To be seeking the kingdom of God. That's quite a contrast to to seeking the kingdom of men. That's quite a contrast. I'm going to seek the kingdom of me. Second Timothy tells us what those people are like. They're going to be lovers of money, lovers of self, boastful pride, all the whole thing. But Jesus says, hey, 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 listen. Purpose to seek the kingdom of God. And above all, live righteously. And then he will give you everything you need. Everybody say need. Need. Why is that important? Because oftentimes we go, well, wait, 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 wait. See, I believe in the gospel that God gives me everything I want, and that's not the gospel. The gospel says, I will give you everything you need. You need. When it comes to purpose, I think Solomon, when asked what he wanted, Solomon was a man of purpose, because in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9, you guys know the story, Solomon writes, Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern good and evil. 
for who is able to judge this great pe- these great people of yours. Don't you see what Solomon said? So- Solomon, what, what do you think? What, anything you want, I'll give you. What does Solomon say? Listen, I don't want riches, and I don't want fame, and I don't want power, and I don't want position. Here's what I want, Lord. I want to be able to have an understanding heart to judge your people. You know what God gave them? God gave them an understanding heart. And all these other things were added unto him. But that's not what we should look for, church. We should look for being people with purpose. Number two, Daniel was a man of principle. A man of principle. Here's what you need to know. He refused to compromise his principles. He refused to compromise. According to Daniel 1, verse 8, Daniel made up his mind. I'm reading from the Good News uh, Bible. It says, Daniel made up his mind not to let himself become ritually unclean by eating the food and drinking the wine of the royal, royal court. No matter how delicious it looked, no matter how appealing, no matter, wait a minute, I'm not in, he, I'm not in Jerusalem anymore. I'm in Babylon, I guess. When in Rome, right, be, do as the Rome. No, 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 that's not Daniel's mindset. Daniel's mind says, no, 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 I'm not a heathen, I'm a Hebrew. I, 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 I'm going to stick to my principles. I'm going to stick to my convictions. This is what I want to do. Not because I'm trying to please you, but I want to please God. And I have to ask you this, church, how many times have we stood this week and said, God, how can I please you? What do you want me to do to honor you? How can I do this? Later on in the text, guys, in chapter 5 and verse 6, or chapter 5 and 6, we're going to see that Daniel's not even going to compromise his principles later on. You see, right now it's a food, but listen, here's the thing. It's in the little things that we need to be strong because the bigger things are going to happen. How so? Well, look at Daniel chapter 5, verse 17. It's going to be up on the screen. And Daniel replied, he said, keep your gifts for yourself or give them to someone else. I will read for your majesty what has been written and tell you what it means. Tell you what it means. Look at Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. When Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where he, where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. You guys understand. The food, the delicacies, the filet mignons, the baked potatoes. I'm making you all hungry, I know. Daniel says, no, you know what? I don't know if these are offered to... How about this? And we talked about it two weeks ago. He says, um, could, let's just try some, some vegetables and water and let's just see how that goes. Why? Well, can I share this with you guys? Some of the smaller tests that you're facing today, God wants to use so that the bigger tests that are coming, you'll be able to stand. That's so key. That's so key. You go, Ben, what's the application? Here it is. Our example should be clear for others to see. Our example. You know, it's been said, and it's going around the Internet, and it's going around Facebook, and some of my pastor friends write it, but here's the question, and, and, and I know it's commonplace, and you've probably heard it before, but here's the question. If being a Christian, um, if... if you were to go into a court of law and being a Christian was criminal, 
would there be enough evidence against you to convict you? I mean, that's really, that, that's, that's the point. The example should be clear for others to see. Not that we're legalistic and we're hoarding it over people and we're Gentiles going, oh, look at me, I'm so holy. No, I don't even go near the water fountain and hear bad jokes. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, man, first and foremost, is there joy in your face? Just joy. I'm not saying you have to walk around like with a goofy smile going, I'm just a Christian, I'm happy. But is there pure joy? That's the first thing people are going to see. Is there peace? Is there peace in your heart? Do you really believe God has it under control? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) What about our behavior? See, that's what God, that's what others are looking at. You guys remember Sunday's message. Remember, Peter was on trial. Didn't even know it. He was on trial. And people were watching him. The other disciples were watching him. I'll stand for you, Lord. I got this. You and me. All the way. Team Jesus. One, two, three, break. And then what happens is that here comes the Romans. Pete takes out a sword. He starts trying to kill somebody. And then he follows at a distance. And we see the whole story. Well, I understand. Pete's not the standard. But still. But still. You can jot this scripture down and look it up later. 1 Corinthians 11.1, the New Living Translation says this. Paul writes, And you should imitate me as I imitate Christ. And really that's the key. You know, it's a it's an interesting thing. I'm not sure if it was the 80s or 90s. Probably the 90s. Do you remember the WWJD? Do you remember that? Everybody had those WWJD, right? And and uh, what a cool bracelet to have. Only problem is, is that we would say, "What would Jesus do?" But we wouldn't do what Jesus would do. We would ask ourselves in every situation, "What would Jesus do?" But here, Paul says, "Do." what Jesus would do. In 1 John, John writes, hey, walk. I want to walk like Christ walked. I want to walk like, I want to walk like Him. What an amazing goal to have for you to be at the mall and people mistake you for Jesus. What an amazing goal. Wow. Wow. Here's why. The world, the world in general is looking at us and when they see we run into a problem or any, whatever it might be, do we behave like the world and come unglued? Or are we really forgiving and loving? And are we really different? The Lord's going to test you. After church, you're going to go get some milk. And you're going to see your parking space. And just when you're about to turn in, somebody else is going to get it. And you're going to feel your flesh going. Or do we go, 
in the grand scheme of things, does it really matter? Does it really matter? You've often heard me say that sometimes you're late for an appointment and, and you run, you hit every red light, there's a wreck, and you're 15 minutes late. And you're so upset when you get there, I'm so sorry, but you don't know if God was directing you to something. We, we got to trust the Lord. If you're Joe Mabry and you leave an hour early and you're still late, that's God. Okay? God was protecting him because Joe leaves an hour early to get where he needs to be. And if he's late for any minute, there's a reason. God was saying, okay, Joe, don't go there. There's, there's an accident here. I don't want you to be part of that. Come around here. I always remember that, Joe. So don't, don't be upset. Should we imitate Christ? Are we willing to dare to be a Daniel in regards to principle? I'm going to be a Daniel. Number three, jot this down. Daniel was a man of purity. A man of purity. His enemies could find no fault in him. Look at it. Look at Daniel chapter six, verse four. Good news. Bible says, then the other supervisors and the governors tried to find something wrong with the way Daniel administered the empire. But they couldn't because Daniel was reliable and did not do anything wrong or dishonest. Wow! You see, Daniel was a man of purity. And we, as believers, should seek to be men and women of purity in all things. In all things. And the question is, no matter what your age is in here, no matter if you're 8 or 80, we must be careful and remain pure. We must remain careful. We have to be careful that we don't allow the little things to weaken the once strong Christian. You go, what do you mean? Well, let me illustrate it like this with this story. After a violent storm one night, a large tree which over the years had become a stately giant was found lying across the pathway in the park. Nothing but a splintered stump was left. Closer examination showed that it was rotten at the core because thousands of tiny insects had eaten away at its heart. The weakness of that tree was not bought, brought on by sudden storm. It began the very moment the first insect nested within its bark. With the Holy Spirit's help, let us be careful to guard our purity. We cannot allow a little insect to come in and take root. Okay, if I was going to sum up chapter 1 in one sentence, it'd be something like this. You and I, we can be successful in life without compromising our walks with God. End quote. That's what it would be. So... What I want to do with the remainder of our time is to prove this statement. How can we be successful in our jobs? How can we be successful in our marriages? How can we be successful just in life without compromising 
our walks with God. And we're going to start with verse 1 and move very quickly. It says in verse 1, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem to besiege it. Notice verse 2. And the Lord gave, make sure you underline that, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles in the house of God, which he carried away to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought articles into the treasure of the house the house of his God. Now again, let me prove to you. God used Babylon in judgment. That's why I asked you to underline the Lord gave. Do you remember why? You see, the key, what was happening here is they were disobedient to the Lord. Disobedient to the Lord. Now, it's one thing for Peter to be in the courtyard of Caiaphas and to... um, Peter, do you know Jesus? I've seen him around. We're friends on Facebook, but I don't. And what was Peter doing? Denying the Lord. But it's a whole nother season to know the Lord and be disobedient to the Lord. See, that's what Israel was doing. They were being disobedient. Now, we have to apply that to our lives and say, Lord, I don't want to be disobedient to you. And everything that you've called me to do, I don't want to be disobedient. I know your word. You've called me to be honest. You've called me to be a man and woman of integrity. You called me a woman to a man and woman to speak the truth, speak the truth in love. You called me to be encouraging and uplifting. You've called me to be compassionate and loving. You've also called me to be bold and strong. You've also called me to be courageous. All of these things, I don't want to be dis- disobedient. Well, what was happening with Israel? Do you guys remember? They were disobedient. Their failure to observe the Sabbath in the land as commanded in Leviticus chapter 25. You go, what do you mean? Every seventh year, they were to let the land rest. On the sixth year, God would provide double so they could rest for the seventh year. Well, Israel decided that they knew better than God. So for 490 years, they planted and harvested every year. And so 490 years divided by 7 equals 70 years of captivity. God says, no, no, no. Here's what we need to understand. Here's the point that we've learned. Now, I want to hit it hard again. You go, why? Just because we're not experiencing the consequences of our disobedience does not mean that God is happy or pleased or even looking the other way at our lifestyle. You go, Ben, can you say that a little bit different? Yes. Just because God's not punishing you right now because you're disobedient doesn't mean, oh, well, he's not even paying attention. He does not, he's not going to mess with little old me. I'm good. Uh-uh. As a matter of fact, it's his mercy. You see, what God is trying to do is he still blesses you even in your disobedience in hopes that you will repent and come back to him. Sometimes I wish that I would get the spanking. When I'm disobedient, there are times I wish, just spank me, Lord, just spank me. And God says, no, no, I'm going to bless you because 
that gets to the soul. That gets to the soul. Man. Can you imagine in your disobedience, God's blessing you? And you're thinking, oh, God must, must be okay. Must be okay. Must be all right. And God's like, no, no, no. I really want you to repent. Because sometimes a spanking doesn't bring repentance. It just brings sorrow. I'm sorry, Lord. Why are you sorry, Ben? Because I got caught and I got spanked. I'm sorry. Guys, we know this with kids, don't we? We know this with kids, right? How many times did you catch your kid doing something, disobedience, you spanked them, I'm sorry, Mama, I'm sorry, and then two minutes later, they're back doing it again. Nobody? Just my kids? Okay. (laughs) Just because you're not experiencing the consequences of our disobedience does not mean God is happy or pleased or even looking the other way at our lifestyle. He says here, And the Lord gave Jehoiakim to the land of Judah, the articles of the house, which he carried into the land of Shinar. I want you to underline Shinar, because Shinar is modern-day Babylon, okay? This is Shinar and Babylon. It's modern-day Iraq, excuse me. Um, So Iraq here. Now, here's what I find interesting at Shinar. You go, what's that? This is the place of the Tower of Babel back in Genesis. I thought, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, Genesis 11 verse 4 says this. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city, a tower whose top is the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. See, this was a strong statement against, a strong statement of self against God. When they said, let us build ourselves a city, the tower whose top of the heavens, guess what? They meant it. You go, well, pastor, what's the point? Here's the point. Babylon, Shinar, was the epicenter of idol worship. That's what it was. And Paul tells us that we have become our greatest idol, self. Self. We have reversed the creative order. We began worshiping the creature rather than the creator. That's what he tells us. We have become... Now, come on, church. Don't just look at me like that it's just me. We have worshipped ourselves, our rights, who we are. And he wants us to worship him. It goes on in verse 3, and it says, The king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel from the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, processing knowledge, and quick to understand, who had the ability to serve the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies." and of wine which he drank, three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now notice with me in verses 6 and 7. Now from among them the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. 
To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave to Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah Shadrach, to Mishael Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. Now again, just by way of reminder, Daniel's name means God is judge. God is judge. Makes sense, doesn't it? God is judge. How so? This is exactly what God is doing by taking him from the land of Israel, Jerusalem, 900 miles away, and he's going to keep him there for 70 years. What I find interesting is that during this time, there were prophets who were raised up saying, God's not going to keep us for 70 years. God told me that it's only going to be, he's false prophet, God's only going to keep him there two years, and we're going to get out of here. And I think it was Jeremiah who said, okay, I hope so. But the word of the Lord says that you're going to die for being a false prophet. And guess what happened? He died. It's 70 years. God's judging. Hananiah, his name means beloved of God. Mishael means who is like God. And Azariah means the Lord is my help. Here's the point. The world is trying to change them. And they start with their names. But listen. You can change everything about a person on the outside. You can change the name. You can change the language. You can change the schooling. You can change the clothes. But you can never change a person who is filled with conviction. You understand that, right? The world might try to change you in every way, shape, or form. But they can never change who you are on the inside. With your purpose and your purity, and your convictions, they can't get you. can't do it. Yeah, but you're one of us. Sorry. I can't do it. I can't do it. Hey, how about this? How about this? Listen, um, we need to look good for the board meeting. Can you um, fudge those numbers a little bit? I really want to show us at a greater profit. But see, sir, we didn't make... I'm, I'm sorry, I can't do this. Well... You know, Mr. Martinez, if you don't do this, you're not one of the team players. I'm going to have to let you go. They can't change the convictions inside us, guys. I know what you're thinking, but where's God in all this? He's right there beside you. Trust me. Trust me. How do you know? I walk through it personally. Not that someone asked me to fudge the numbers, but when we were planting the church and I was looking for a job... I had to have a specific job so that I could still preach on Wednesday nights and teach on Sundays and have time to study. And there's not a whole lot of jobs out there. Now, coming to Lubbock, I understood. I didn't understand at the time. I understand now that it's, uh, it's uh, who you know, not what you know. It's who you know and you've got connections. I get that. And I couldn't find a job. And I would go home and say, Natalie, guess what? I've got this interview and it's between me and another person. And me and the other person, guess what? I, was always, I always seemed to be on the losing end of that hey um how did you guys make oh yeah we sorry we went with the you you were very qualified and we really liked you and but we went with the other person where's god in this where's god in this you know what i saw that's nathalie true story we saw our savings go like this we literally had to coupon 
Not that there's anything wrong with couponing, but we really had to... We were, and, and, I'm, and I'm going, Lord, I'm serving you. Are you kidding me? I gave up everything to come out here. What are you doing? But here's the thing. He was more interested in building the man so that I knew exactly what you were going through. And I could tell you, it'd be all right. It'll be all right. But you've got to trust. You've got to trust. The guy on the radio this morning at 8.30 came on and he said, you've got to trust. I believe him. It's pretty good. It goes on in verse 8, it says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine in which he drank. Therefore, he requested that the chief of the eunuchs, that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel into favor and goodwill with the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then... You would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward, of whom the chief of eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days, and then let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Now here's what I want you to know. If you're taking notes, I want you to note six convictions Daniel and his friends had. Six convictions. See, Daniel had the Holy Spirit convictions that would help him not to compromise. But when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, he now takes residence in us, so it's a lot easier as the Holy Spirit lives in us not to compromise, not to compromise. So I want to give you these six convictions that Daniel had that you and I should possess with our walks with God. These are practical things. You go, what are they? Six convictions. The conviction number one requires a mind that's made up. That's conviction number one. It requires a mind that's made up. Purposed in his heart. What we think, come on church, is ultimately what we believe, and what we believe is how we'll behave. What are we thinking? What are you really putting in your mind? Let's be honest. Let's be honest. We have moved into a world in 2022 where social media runs rampant. And that's what wants to go into our mind. It wants to go in our mind through our eye gate and our ear gate. And if it's not social media, I mean, it's news and so forth. But here's the thing. Think about what he said. What we ultimately, what we think is ultimately what we will believe. And what we believe is how we'll behave. Number two, a conviction requires boldness. Boldness. How so? He wouldn't defile himself. He wouldn't defile himself. You know what he thought? That hurts my Lord. That hurts my Lord. I'm not going to do it. That hurts my Lord. And then he thought, That hurts me in the long run. Let me give you conviction number three. Conviction number three precedes blessings. How so? Well, God had already brought Daniel into favor. You see, what I love about God, and he's so classic, is even right now he's working behind the scenes. You don't see him. 
And one day you're going to stand behind this pulpit and go, wow, I can't believe how God moved. I didn't even realize he was working behind the scenes. What was Daniel doing? Daniel was being true to God. He was just living his life. And and these convictions, they precede the blessings. Number four, convictions, jot this down, are non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. Can you imagine if you and I were having a, a, a cup of coffee over convictions? Share with me your convictions. Let me see if I can talk you out of them. No, no, no. They're non-negotiable. Not going to happen. This is who I am. Okay? But you will, listen to me, Christian, you will get strong and you will remain strong as long as the Word of God is in you. You see, a lot of times, we'll compromise because you have to ask yourself, what have I been putting into my heart? What have I been putting? Let me give you a quick test. Let me give you a quick test, okay? Now, I know we're an older group in here, but here's a question I have for you. What's the first thing you look at when you get up in the morning? Don't tell me the coffee pot. I mean electronically, okay? What's the first thing you do? See, we have to be careful that we're so conditioned, so prone, that the first thing we do is just find out. Now, some of us, it may not be social media. It may not be Instagram. It may not not be TikTok, but it may be the news. Let me get on the news. Let me find out what's happening. Let me see if the world crumbled while I was sleeping last night. Before you do that, guys, we should always be in the Word of God. And please don't put the Bible in your phone right here. Because oftentimes you'll be like, oh, I'm going to look up that Word. And then all of a sudden you're like this. We do it. We're so, this is what the world has tried to do. This is exact. you understand? That's what the swipe, that's what, how they, the algorithms in the, in the social media, that's why they do that. Quick. So you can, you get that, right? That's why. They're conditioning you. They're conditioning me. So we gotta be, we gotta be a little bit stronger. No, 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 no. My convictions are non-negotiable. Non-negotiables are more than just a set of religious beliefs. It's a commitment to risk everything we have for the faith that we hold. Can I just say this to you, and you should jot this down? There is coming a time when your faith is going to have to be non-negotiable. There is coming a time for you, Christian. Wait, well, I... I want a church that, that, that encourages me. I want a church that, that motivates me. Oh, what about, what do you mean that we're going? No, 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 listen. Listen to me. There is an enemy that hates our guts and our livers. You get that, right? And he's doing everything he can and he wants to stumble us. And he's going to, he's going to put the church in Christianity and he's going to bring these things. And we're going to be called upon one day. Do you really believe? You're going to stand. Let me give you this conviction. I love this one. Convictions don't necessitate rudeness. 
Look at 11 and 12. So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Meshach, and Azariah, Please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Do you understand that? Our convictions don't necessitate rudeness. Well, you don't understand. I, he could have went nuts. And he said, no, please. Please. Well, Daniel could have went on a hunger strike. No, please. Number six, convictions require faith. How so? Daniel one thirteen. Then let our appearance be examined before you in the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies as you see fit to deal with your servants. You know what he's doing? He's saying, look, my convictions require faith. Let me eat vegetables. I promise you I'm going to be healthier. How does he know? Because i got to have faith, faith, faith. I got it. That's what he's saying. I believe it. You go, well, what's the application? How do I apply this, Pastor? What is faith and how do I get it? What is faith? I want the faith of Daniel. I really, I want to be able to do that. Well, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says this, faith is the confidence of what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. Well, where do I get it? Romans chapter 10, verse 17, you guys know this. So faith cometh by hearing and hearing the nightly news. You don't get faith by watching the nightly news? <laughs> Where do you get faith from? The Word of God. The Word of God. Church, listen to me. Listen to me. I love feeding you on Sundays and Wednesdays. But that's not enough. You need to be in the Word daily. You need to be looking at the Word of God. You need to be studying the Word of God. You need to be reading the Word of God every single day for your own growth. That's where your faith is going to come. Every day. And please don't just go, well, I had my quiet time this morning. I had my 15 minutes before I went to work. I had my cup of coffee. I read my Bible. And I, it's got to be more than that. Because what you're putting in your mind, in your heart all day long, it's not enough. It's not enough. You want to know what the world would look like, how strong Christians would really be if they took away internet and they took away tv and they took away movies and they took away all of this stuff and all we had was the bible that's all we had we had each other and the bible could you imagine no news just the word of god how strong do you think we would be we'd be very strong why because faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of god Okay, let's finish up. Verse 14. So he consented with them, and he tested them ten days, and at the end of ten days their features appeared better and fatter in the flesh than all the young men who ate the portions of the king delicacies. Thus the steward took away the portion of the delicacies and the wine that they were to drink, and he gave them vegetables. Listen, everybody's, everybody's eating Daniel's diet now. He looked at him and said, Wow, that worked! I wonder if the steward got a raise. 
The king comes in and goes, wow, these guys look good. They look strong. They look... Let me tell you this. It's success without compromise. It's success. Now, as we close the section okay, of chapter 1, the summary, basically, of the three years of hard study is a result of God's blessing upon the young men. Look at verse 17. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. Notice this. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. God gave them knowledge and skill. The special intellectual ability of Daniel and his companions was not due to their diet. It wasn't due to their diet, but to their special intervention of the Lord. See, these young Jewish men gave themselves to the Lord in a remarkable way, and God blessed them in a remarkable way. So what happens? Well, Daniel and his friends understood this principle, and God blessed them for acting out. Now the interview. Look at verse 18. Now at the end of these days, and the king had said that they should be brought into the chief of eunuchs and brought him before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king interviewed him. Now three years has gone by, and among them... All, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king. Now, before we jump on, did you guys catch this real quick? We're almost done with chapter 1, and they've been in Babylon for three years. God has given them all the literature, all the wisdom, and I love that Daniel still employs their Hebrew names. That shows principle, and that shows character. And they're serving before the king. They're serving before the king. Now, what I want you to see is, can you imagine all the other Hebrew people that were looking at these four and saying, you know what? We can have success without compromise. We can have good convictions. It can be done. And verse 20 says, all the matters in the wisdom and understanding which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in the realm. Thus, Daniel continued into the first year of King Cyrus. Now, I want to go back for just a minute, real quick. I want you to see, at the end of verse 17, it says, Daniel had understanding in all vision and dreams. This shows that a purity of heart and a faithfulness to God come before what? the enlightenment of divine mysteries. How so? Daniel will later receive a great revelation, but now he simply shows himself as a dedicated follower of God. You see, nowhere in Scripture do we read, well, Daniel said, I'm going to do this because I want this, God. And God, if you just, if I, if I just remain pure, then you're going to bless me and I'll be able to interpret dreams and then I'll be the king, the higher end king, I'll be the governor of all the... He didn't say that. He said... I'm just going to follow God. I'm just going to follow God. And then the Bible says, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Even though they're immersed in the culture, the religion, listen, they remained faithful to God. They remained faithful to God. They remained faithful to God. They, 
I mean, just think about this. They're, they're thrust, I mean, it's kind of like us. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. That's what they were. Now, let's close. Let's close with this. Success without compromise. Daniel and his friends show us that non-negotiables and Holy Spirit convictions, we can overcome any outer pressure and that honoring God or God-honoring convictions yield God-given rewards. You go, Pastor, what are you saying? Jot this down. Christians should follow Daniel's example. Let us learn the lesson of the finest of God's servants must maintain a regular and fixed prayer habits in order to continue steadfast in the devotion to the Lord. Here's the question. Will you dare to be a Daniel? How? By becoming a person of purpose, of principle, of purity, and of prayer. Those are the key things. Amen? Father, tonight we thank you. Your word is so amazing. We thank you, God, for tonight's Bible study. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit to be upon us. Lord Jesus, we confess our sin to you. We confess that we've allowed certain things into our eyes. We confess, Lord, that, that, Lord, we're not even convicted by the things that we see anymore. We're conveyed, Lord, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for all the things that we've allowed into our homes and into our hearts, Lord. Tonight, we ask your forgiveness. Lord, the TikToks and the Instagrams and the Snapchats and the, and the Internet news and all the things, Lord, that we're allowing, we, we allow them to take over our lives. We confess that to you, Lord. Lord, for faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. How sad a day when we choose social media over the precious God-breathed Word of God. Forgive me, O Lord, tonight. Help us to repent of our sin and come back to you. Lord, what we're about to face in this world, we're going to need you. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, maybe that's your prayer tonight. You're saying, Lord, please forgive me. Please forgive me. Forgive me, Lord, for when I wake up in the morning and the first thing I check is, forgive me, Lord, for the last thing I go to bed is I... Forgive me, Lord, when I sit home and I can watch three to five hours of television and movies and such. Help me, Lord. Help me. Help me to be a Daniel. Whether I'm 11, 15, 
or 80. Help me to be a Daniel. We ask this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.